Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial. Go to audibletrial.com slash Rushmore. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore podcast. My name is Jeff, and I'm joined, as always, by my platonic friends, Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. Richard and Michael uh, debate very frequently about the top four, the Mount Rushmore of any given topic. And this episode, they are debating the Mount Rushmore of Canadians. Am I right? Am I right? Yeah, you're correct. And who thunk this one? Was it you, Richard? I was, I, I, I was the one who thunk this out. Why did you thunk it? Because they need one, first off. They don't have one. I researched this. There's no Canadian Mount Rushmore. Oh, there, there isn't? No, I mean, the one we have is in South Dakota. Not quite North Dakota, but I think they can still see it because it's very flat. Okay. So I'm worried about them being a little, little jealous about it. Okay. Also, I, I have been to Canada like twice. Oh, to get beer, strong beer? Uh, once was in high school. We went there for a jazz festival. Oh, wow. Um, and I, li- I went to Vancouver and loved it so much I almost went to college there. Mm-hmm. And then after uh, college graduation, I went there for a couple of weeks just to hang out and Mm-hmm. do Vancouver stuff. And a lot of times in Mount Rushmore, we discuss things that are uh, very apparent and understood by a lot of Americans and people all over. But I think there are a lot of people who the amazing citizenry of this wonderful country to our north is kind of uh, a question mark. Plus, there's a good chance that a majority of us will be moving up there. Any minute. <laughs> any, any minute, minute now, now, yeah. Any minute now. Uh, well, uh, Richard, this is a great topic. And Due to the fact that uh, we are, the three of us, very much xenophobic and ignorant, uh, we could talk about what we believe our top Mount Rushmore of Canadians were or are, but there would be no governing authority to let us know our accuracy. Uh, Thankfully, we have a guest on our podcast, and this is a real-life Canadian and a real-life funny person. His name is Casey Corbin. He's a stand-up comic. And before he talks, I'm going to play a clip from some of his uh, work that's available on Spotify. I moved from Ottawa, all right? And I have found my apartment in the Toronto Star. And I've got an apartment there. And I moved down to Toronto. And when I got into my apartment, I called my friends. And I said, I just moved to Toronto, guys. Let's party. And they're like, where are you? And I'm like, <clears throat> and I'm, like I'm at the corner of Kipling and Eglinton. <laughs> And they're like, dude, you're in Etobicoke. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell's that? <laughs> and they're like, almost Mississauga. And that clip was from Vampires Are Popular, uh, some stand-up from the hilarious Casey Corbin. And Casey is on the Skype with us right now. How are you doing, Casey? Oh, it's going fantastic. It's, uh, it's very nice up here in Canada today. And a great day for a podcast. Yeah, I, I have that you are a comedian. You've appeared on Comedy Now, the CBC, Halifax Comedy Fest, Just for Laughs. Uh, and yeah. you're a Canadian Comedy Award nominee. Congrats. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a two-time uh, nominee, so I, I've lost every time I'm consistent. <laughs> That's one thing What's it like? about my career. What's it like to have a working democracy? Yeah. <laughs> Is it just beautiful? Is it just like... Oh. oh, well, you know, our politics are just as crazy as everybody else's. Um, no, that's not know. true. That's, I can <laughs> well, guarantee you that's not accurate. Right. Actually, you're, you're absolutely right. It's not. Um, but but we, uh, it's just interesting the way it works up here because ours is a three-party system. So 
the majority of the country doesn't usually like the prime minister. Oh. Like, usually, it only takes the prime minister. If it, an election can be called tomorrow. and it doesn't. It's not every four years. It's like whenever we oh, wow. feel like this, we need a change. And, the, and they'll come, they'll call an election, and then uh, the, the guy that's already in as prime minister usually wins because the other two parties split the vote. So 64% of Canada won't want the prime minister, but because he has 37%, he wins the vote. Oh wow! I was trying to. It's, I, this happened. It's crazy. This happened when I was when I was up after uh, college. I happened to be up there in Vancouver around the time of some city uh, councilman election or something, and there were yard signs up for like vote liberal, liberal so and so for whatever it was city, and we we're staying at a B and B. And I asked our host, "So liberal? That must be like this. That's like the far left. Like, oh no, liberal's not the far left at all." I'm like, what? Excuse me. And it took me a couple- no, lib- no, not at all. Yeah, so it was like, wait a second. So you've got liberal and then very liberal and conservative, but even conservative isn't really all that conservative. Yeah. compared to like, us, the liberals, the liberals are in charge right now, I think, and uh, and they're and they're going to legalize marijuana next year. So everything's in the process right now, like countrywide. So this is uh, it's pretty exciting for. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, and, and now there's and, twice and, as many pretty people. Pretty exciting for. Every comic I know. So, <laughs> well, uh, you know, um, you, yeah, we but wanted, it's, a, it's an interesting system. Wanted to let, uh, then we're discussing politics. We're also discussing podcasts, and uh, you have a podcast too. Uh, tell us about your podcast. Oh, it's called Talk and Wrestling. Um, it's on iTunes and uh, NSN Never Sleeps Network. Uh, produce it out of Canada, out of Toronto. And basically, I have guests on, mostly Canadian comedians. And uh, people that are involved in wrestling and any D to Z uh, level comic that I can, you know, add in between. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so it's basically, uh, it's just a conversation about wrestling. It does, it's not a review show. It's not a show that focuses on everything to date. It can be like a wrestling from the past or That's awesome. it's just, you know, it's just two people talking conversations of wrestling. Sometimes we do panel shows. Sometimes we have like, this week, um, if you follow wrestling or if you did in the Attitude Era, we have uh, the WWE's top wrestling impersonator, Jason Sensation, <laughs> the forgotten member of DX. He is, uh, he is on the show this week, and he tells great stories of Owen Hart, Bret Hart, Vince Russo, uh, Hunter, Hurst Helmsley, you know, everybody that he's interacted with. It's a, just a real positive, fun show. We like to keep it that way. But sometimes we make the odd Chris Benoit joke that's inappropriate. Sure. And okay, got it. Well, hold on. Cross Chris Benoit off my list. <laughs> Damn it. Well, it sounds awesome. Uh, we're really glad you're on the show. And I'm glad to be on. All right, so let's get going with our show, the Mount Rushmore of Canadians. And Richard, since you chose the topic, Michael will start. I have, uh, thanks. I have four uh, categories this week. Uh, comedy, sports, sports, and music. I kind of veered away from, even though we kind of started the top of this podcast talking politics, Mm -hmm. like the politics and the actual history of Canada, I know nothing about. Uh, There's a big uh, white blank area in my knowledge. And I just was (laughs) like, don't don't try to fake it. Just kind of go with what you know. Um, So my first choice under comedy is Lorne Michaels. All right. Nice one. Who is responsible for just about every comedian 
It feels it feels like he's had his hands um, in 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 and around the necks of <laughs> uh, just about all of comedy in America for the past forty years. Yeah, and uh, even though he's not much of a like a comedian himself, if you ever see him on the show, he's very deadpan and very straightforward, and that's kind of like the character he he plays. Mm-hmm. I think he plays himself, but it's very he's very odd. Yeah, um, he is so instrumental in just the lives of so many other people that have had such a huge impact from, you know, from other famous Canadians like Mike Myers and um, even the kids in the hall and the kids in the hall as well. I mean, he's, yeah. you know, he produced that. And I, I saw a picture of like the five of them. I guess it was like the 30th or 40th anniversary of the kids in the hall. last uh-huh. week. I think it was the 30th and they all look so young and vibrant. It was just amazing. This Not thing. now, right? No, they all look horrible. <laughs> My apologies <laughs> to, to all five of the kids. They all look terrible now. Yeah. But I, I think he was just like this amazing producer that is kind of taken granted for, but he's just had such a huge impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do feel like he, uh, Lauren Michaels was responsible for the remaking comedy after the end of the vaudeville era. Essentially, the comedian's... It almost like seemed like there was a line in the sand drawn with Bob Hope and Milton Berle. And at that time, when Saturday Night Live started, those two were still famous, and those two were still the faces of television comedy. And Lorne Michaels ushered in this new wave of hippie, beatnik, druggy comedy that changed. I mean, before the that, like variety comedy was like Sonny and Cher or yeah. Carol Burnett. Yeah. Or, you know, kind of. For yeah. lack of a better term, hacky stuff like that. So maybe the Smothers Brothers might have predated in terms of comedy that had a little bit of edge to it. But even then, it's a guy with a yo-yo. Yeah. <laughs> How edgy is are the yeah. Smothers Brothers? True, true that. Well, they were talking about Vietnam and well, that's, things yeah. like that. So, um, I, I'm interested from our guest, Casey. Uh, one, one thing I would say is a famous attribute for some musicians and comedians and entertainers in Canada is that they come to the United States and have some of their biggest success is, oh, uh, yeah. is, that, is that your perception? Well, yeah, a lot of the, like we don't have, we're the only country that doesn't really have its own star system like we do, but it's just very poor and most Canadians don't care about it because we're so immersed in America's culture. And, yeah. um, you know, so a lot of times it's looked at, uh, until you make it in America, you don't really make it in Canada. But once you go to the States and you make some success, it's a lot easier to come back and be accepted into Canada. Yeah. And Canadians love to point out whoever's Canadian. You know? <laughs> like, you'll be watching a movie with a Canadian, and they'll be like, you know, Jim Carrey's Canadian. And then they, and you'll be like, yeah, we, we know. We know. You know? And uh, it's like, oh, well, did you know William Shatner's Canadian? You know, they're like, yeah, most people know that. Fucked up individuals are Canadian. I'm sorry if I swore. No, Uh, we're good. No, keep going. Okay. Uh, But the messed up, you know, individuals are usually, uh, you know, Canadian. So, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, but that's totally the way it is. Like, you make it in America, you're good to go in Canada. Like, you probably wonder where uh, Jason Priestley's been since 90210. Well, he's been having sitcom after show up here in Canada that you don't see. Has he really? Wow. Yeah, he, he is, he's had an award-winning show up here where he plays a private investigator. Are you yanking so, our chain? Cause, are you yeah, serious? It's H- yeah, it's on HBO Canada. Wait, it's there's an HBO Canada? 
That that is mind blowing. I did not realize that, and I'm so glad you're opening our eyes. Too. Does he st- does he still have the sideburns? That's the most important question. I think we all have. I think he has What's a full on beard. He has a beard now. Well, Canada. I think by law, if you move back up to Canada, uh, I think being in Canada, your beard just grows by twenty percent as yeah. soon as you cross the border. I will ask it, you it this: comes, It's with the exchange. <laughs> it comes in with the exchange. This is th- this is falling else in the category of of the the things that people do much better than uh, in Americans. And I would say comedy is one of them. For the most part, uh, my, my biggest comedic influences, like Michael said, are things that were initiated by Lorne Michaels and or uh, uh, the British broadcasting system, uh, Monty Python, and, and um, uh, it's the similar people from the, the Young Ones or the comic strip. So I think one thing that Americans don't really do well is observe their incredibly idiosyncratic idiosyncratic behavior <laughs> and uh, a lot of com- comedy that does observe that in a pointed way comes uh, is imported from other places so yeah and i think lauren michaels did yeah and lauren michaels kind of opened up this like you said michael this kind of floodgate of canadians i mean dan Aykroyd, of the original cast was canadian i think gilda radner might have been canadian right and then well just- gilda, gilda no gilda was not uh, necessarily a canadian she was i think she was from chicago but she came a lot of the americans um, came up to Canada and worked at Second City in Toronto when they opened. Right, and uh, so like someone like uh, Joe Flaherty, who people think is Canadian, is actually from the states, but he just spent his life living in Canada once he moved up here. Just one of those fake um, Canadians. Yeah, so Canadian he's become imposters. Canadian, but he's not actually Canadian. But um, you know, when Lauren Michaels went down to Saturday Live, he brought down Danny. Uh, he brought in Jane Curtin. She's Canadian. Uh, Paul Schaefer, also Canadian. Right. So those are three of the mainstays on the original cast that were Canadian. Plus Gilda was second city in Toronto at the time, and they brought her down as well. So there's technically you know four people that were involved heavily with Canada that he brought down from Toronto that he also knew. So I find, he knew all these guys. I find it interesting that you know he ran SNL or has run SNL very successfully, and then still went. He chose to kind of go back into like the Canadian broadcast system with kids in the hall and have yeah. to operate under their rules. Cause I, I know that like state sponsored media, you have to have a certain number of actual Canadians that work on the shoot. Same thing mm-hmm. with the certain, a certain amount of mu- music. Canadian content. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think it's interesting that he kind of took that challenge upon himself to go back and do a show under a lot stricter rules and regulations, but also, you know, certainly a number of freedoms they could, cuss and really say what they wanted on you can be really on edgy on canadian yeah you can be edgier on canadian television than you can on american television like you know there used to always be comparisons between our uh teenage high school show drama which was called degrassi and the american equivalent which was 90210 and i remember 90210 everybody was like oh my god brenda got had sex at the prom and up in canada we're like uh, there's a girl on our show that got knocked up in grade seven listening to Galway <laughs> at a house party. <laughs> you know, we're just uh, we're we're not afraid to put the edgy stuff yeah. out there. I feel and, like your uh, your beard and your drama is a lot more potent than our. Uh, and also, they're Drake. <laughs> speaking of for sure. Drake, yeah. yeah. And a great uh, a fun thing to do if you watch Kids in the Hall is to watch the extras in a lot of the uh, sketches and see how many times you can find Nev Campbell. 
throughout the first couple seasons. Oh, see? that's right. Actually, yeah, I, I knew this. Yeah, he's she's... an extra in a lot of the sketches. Wow, that's fun. That's great. One thing I'll say about Lauren Michaels, just maybe I don't know if we're wrapping up this yet, but um, his first big break was a uh, short he did for the CBC called The Great Hockey Puck uh, Shortage. Hmm. Uh-huh. It's a spoof about like a, a winter when all the hockey, there was a shortage of hockey pucks and they didn't know what to do in Canada. Oh, I'll to check funny. it out. Yeah, check it out. But that's bogus because everybody knows <laughs> if you run out of hockey pucks, you use cow pies. Everybody knows that. <laughs> we do. Frozen cow pies. Okay, so uh, you know my role is to kind of move things a little bit along when they uh, need to. So um, Michael has come off strong with uh, Lauren Michaels, and then Richard is up. All right, so I did do politics as one of my four, mm. and I went with the uh, the father of Canada, uh, John A. Macdonald. Not Tony Canada. Not John B. Macdonald. <laughs> Not John C. Macdonald. No, please get it right, John A. Macdonald. Yeah, um, but it's spelled H. Yeah. (laughs) So the thing about uh, for people who non Canadians, uh, basically picture George Washington, but if most a lot of people in America didn't remember who George Washington was, from what I understand, and also if George Washington was a massive alcoholic. So was so was so was Andrew. So was Johnny McDonald. Yeah, exactly. That's my point. You know, Johnny McDonald was basically the father of the country and also the father of drinking in Canada. In some ways, um, he so some of the positives. Uh, he was the first prime minister. He is kind of credited with getting the different provinces and regions together into a confederation, and getting the UK, you know, London, the Queen, what have you, to agree to kind of a, allow a Canadian confederation. Um, he built the Trans Canadian Railroad by himself. With his own two hands. God, this guy is great. <laughs> He's Canadian. He's pretty strong. Canada strength. Um, bad news is when he uh, they decided he when they decided to build the Trans Canadian Railroad, they had a lot of the First Nations people that mm. live in there because yeah. you know First Nations people. So he kind of just starved them out. Oh God. Yeah. 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 The, the, our railroad is not our proudest moment in our history um, because we used Asian slaves to build it. And then we routed out the natives on the way through their land. So, uh, but, but, you know, um, Whoops. it's smooth to this day. It's a great way to travel now. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, but <laughs> as we've been discussing, um, John A. McDonald may have been a bit of an alcoholic. Uh, for example, he once vomited on stage during an election debate. Um, and his opponent said something like, was this the man you want running your country, a drunk? And allegedly he replied, I get sick, not because of drink, but because I'm forced to listen to the ranting of my honorable opponent. Ah, oh, cool burn. <laughs> Nailed <Boom> roasted. <laughs> um, he often would miss uh, debates and other political happenings because he was, quote, having one of his attacks, which I'm going to start using at work <laughs> when I'm missing work. Um, he once slapped an opponent during a campaign debate. Um, He's the original Rob Ford. <laughs> I was just gonna—I was gonna preface him by saying, you know, a, a Canadian politician who has trouble with substances, um, <laughs> maybe slightly racist. Um, yeah, could have been Rob Ford. Is actually John McDonald. Uh, Michael, what's your second choice? Uh, my second choice is under sports, and it's uh, Mr. Gordy Howe, Mr. Hockey. Uh, he played 26 years in the NHL. That's a lot of. That's a lot of and also played in the fucking years. WHL too, I believe. He, after he played that. something, yeah, like another five or six years in in another league, right? Uh, 
from Floral, Saskatchewan. Now, where is where is Saskatchewan in terms of compared to Toronto, where you are in Ontario? Like it's right above. It's right above. Um, uh, I think the Dakotas. Is there is there a hated province? <laughs> yeah, that- it's usually well. Most of the country doesn't really like Quebec. Yeah, because they're the French-speaking province. Yeah, we'll get to uh, them they later. Speak, they 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 have you know they have their own language, their own culture. They're you know they tried to separate. Uh, they're they're kind of like the you know most provinces are like when it comes to them. Well, who's like? So, the- but then there's a lot of people that hate Ontario. Well, I was gonna say because we have like Florida, and Florida sure. is like basically if you know if there's a story about somebody like you know having sex with an alligator and falling down a well or something stupid, something outrageously stupid. It's probably from Florida. Yeah, it sprinkles well, some well, drugs people, in there too. Is there is there like a province where you'd go, oh, it's if there's some like weird like crime story, it's probably from Yeah, it's 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 usually it's usually Quebec. Like Quebec is is <laughs> even though like when most people from Quebec retire, they go down to Florida. Honest to God. Well there we go. Oh. And so that's so that's the they kinda they kinda connect up with each other. Perfect. Well, getting back to hockey now, as as a that was my fault that I we took us off on a little road trip to a different to different provinces, but um, I was amazed looking at just his stats and like everything that went along with this gentleman. Uh, twenty three out of his twenty six seasons, he was an all star. Um, just having the nickname of Mister Hockey kind of puts you in like. The closest we have in America is Mr. Baseball, yeah. and that was Tom Selleck in a movie. <laughs> like, we have no one else that's kind of on that level of, like, like the sport is basically your sport. Bernie Banks wasn't Mr. Baseball? We have a Mr. Coffee. <laughs> we, have, oh, okay. we have Mr. Coffee. We have that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Mr. It. Peanut. There we go, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got two things. Um, but I, it was just amazing to see just, like, the depth of his career. Uh, and you compare it to someone who, I, I guess, is equally as great in like Wayne Gretzky, who we just talked about a couple episodes back on uh, the trades one. Yeah. Mount Rushmore of trades. And he kind of came in and uh, Gretzky did things in such a whirlwind fashion, like broke all of his records with like it seemingly half the time that he played in. And I don't know. Do you have like, is there like a great debate in Canada on Gordy Howe versus Gretzky or you throw it's in not, Mar- it's Mario not, it's, no, it's not. It, the debate is never Gordy Howe versus Gretzky because Gordy kind of always knew Gretzky was going to surpass him. Like Gordy Howe knew Wayne Gretzky when Gretzky was nine years old. Hmm. That's when he met him and he watched him throughout his progression, and he knew that's the guy that's going to pass all my records. You know. So um, here's the thing: the argument on who's the greatest hockey player of all time it always boils down to the argument between. Wayne Gretzky or Bobby Orr, and there those are the two names. Hmm, interesting, and it is debatable. It is debatable. No, I guess so, because I guess, know, like, I guess Orr was a defenseman, so you're not just looking yes. at the pure scoring stats. No, exactly, and you're looking at the the championships and uh, the leadership and the greatness of the players, and then you know there's always the, Orr, the argument against Orr that his career was cut short, where Gretzky's had went so long. You know, so it's uh, it's. It's always a great argument, uh, you know. So when, yeah, when we were but Gordy ta- Howe is Mr. Hockey. You can't argue that. When so. we, when we were when we were talking about Gretzky and the trades, uh, we talked about kind of like the betrayal of moving from like Edmonton to Los Angeles, and yeah. I wonder if Howe had any sense of that since he played like nearly his entire career with Detroit, 
I wonder if that was just kind of built in that he was he was always just south of the board. He was a Canadian, but he was always on an American team or but just over not the, just even, over the line. Not even Detroit. Yeah, Detroit is just it, there's a tunnel to get to it. Like <laughs> we're right. Either. You just skate through you the just tunnel. Have to go through oh. a tunnel. You know, it's uh, it's uh, is you know, Detroit's right across the river, so there's a lot of Canadians that are that are going to Detroit games even back then. So, uh, but it's just. I don't think that has to do with it. I just think Gretzky came at a time when the game was being reinvented and he became such a pop culture star. Like the guy, even when he was in Edmonton, a town that nobody cares about. Sorry, Edmonton. Um, but <laughs> We're um, going to get letters from Edmonton now. We're going to get the one all, letter. No, they can't write. Um, <laughs> now, realize that I'm in Calgary, the rival town right now, so I'm playing to the Calgarians. But, there you go. But here's the thing. The... Um, Wayne Gretzky was like doing the Young and the Restless when he was uh, winning Stanley Cups in Edmonton. Like he was that famous. He was famous in the states. He was famous everywhere, and that trade to L.A. was a huge deal. So, the but thing, uh, but Gretzky is usually regarded better than Gordie Howe. The thing I'll say about Gordie Howe is, I mean, Gretzky was for all of his, you know, incredible skill as an offensive player. Gordie Howe was a two-way player. I mean, he was somebody who, I mean, they came up with the name, the Gordie Howe hat trick, which yes. is scoring a goal, getting assist, and then getting into a fight. I mean, he was, and he played in an era where it was a lot more physical. I mean, he fractured his skull in a game, for, you know, for God's sakes, and came back like a few months later. He was, there was a toughness to a player like Gordie Howe that, you know, Gretzky always had an enforcer, Marty McSorley or somebody like that, to fight his battles yeah. for him. I think there's something to be said, and maybe this is why he's Mr. Hockey, even if the debate isn't who is the best player of all time, that I think he has the qualities that you might want to, Canadians might want to ascribe in terms of toughness and grit yeah. that maybe Gretzky didn't have. Gretzky had a toughness. It's just that it was a different type of toughness. Like, you know, there was a time where he took a puck in the head Went off the ice, came back on, and scored a couple more goals. Like uh, against the Leafs one year when he was playing with the Kings, when the uh, Kings went to the final. Right. But, you know, it's, it's just a different. But he would never fight. You know, and, and that's just who, not the player he was. So, but Gordy Howe definitely a great Canadian in his own right. No one arguing that. Cool. All right, Richard, what's your second choice? All right, my second one. We'll stay with uh, the sport of hockey. This is less a player and more a media personality. Hmm. I think I know where you're going. Yeah, we're going with Don Cherry. Yeah. Is he on your list? Was, was that the sports question mark one that you had? Or? No. Okay, good. Um, and Don Cherry, um, some Americans might know him because there is you can't get the Hockey Night in Canada broadcast, which if you don't watch hockey, it's basically like Monday Night Football used to be in Canada. Like Monday Night Football or something used to be here. That's what it's like in Canada. It is the game of the week. No, if you're a hockey fan, that's what you watch. And he is the uh, one of the commentators um, Michael, I believe, is showing a photo of Don Cherry to to Jeff. He is known for his, let's just say, colorful outfits. I don't know anything. Eccentric. About, I don't know anything about sports, but I have read about Don Cherry <laughs> in my life before, and I read some weird things about his kid who tried to follow in his footsteps too. Oh, really? Yeah, he did not did not have a success following in his father's footsteps. I, I would try to describe him as a cross between like a John Madden or Dick Vitale. Yeah, and then your racist uncle at Thanksgiving. <laughs> That's kind of. I think Don Madden. I mean, the John, he, I would say he's the John Madden of hockey. He, he definitely, except for the hockey player named John Madden, but <laughs> I thought, um, that played for the Devils. 
But did did, uh, did Don Cherry you know, play in his? In he played his day? one game. He played one game in the NHL. He had oh. one game. He's most famous for uh, leading the Bruins, the Boston Bruins, to many Stanley Cups and, uh, and, and several, a couple Stanley Cups. And he was the coach of Bobby Orr and those great Boston Bruin teams. And uh, you, I think he coached the Bruins for maybe seven years. And um, yeah, and now. He's just an old guy that says racist stuff in between periods and hockey games on television every weekend. <laughs> he coached the after he coached the Bruins. He coached the Colorado Rockies, which was yes. Denver's team for a few seasons, and then they folded, and then they got the Avalanche back. But um, the slogan was "Come to the fights and watch a hockey game break out." <laughs> I think that pretty well summarizes what Don Cherry believes hockey should be. I thought it was in, you know bringing up kind of the grit, grittier side of hockey. He was somebody who. For example, really didn't like the European players, and every time, any time he gets a chance in his broadcast to disparage, especially Russian players Mm-mm. or Swedish players or Finnish Mm-mm. players Mm-mm. as being soft pansies, mm. he'll he'll go with that. Um, also, doesn't like players who wear visors on their helmets. No, frequently, well, and, and frequently, he believes that it's mostly the European players who wear the visors anyway. Because they're pansies. What's wrong with visors? Because I, I don't know. I, I guess he doesn't like. He he wants someone to get hit in the eye occasionally. Okay. I don't okay. know. Casey, help me out here. He's uh, he's 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 an old school guy who's caught in his ways, and he's like, yeah, those Swedes don't go in the corner, you know. And he's like, yeah. So you just you know, if you're not Canadian or American, he just doesn't like your style of hockey. Um, you know, he's very he's. He, He's very old and uh, <laughs> set in his ways. Like he's like in the in when Canada did the list of their hundred people, he finished top ten because <laughs> so many Canadians love him. But he's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, there, he, time and time again, he says the most incorrect, politically incorrect things on television. But um, when he comes to talking hockey, that's what he's good at. The last thing I'll say about Don Cherry, he was surprisingly enough, he's a conservative. shocking shocking um he uh was one of the first people to he made an appearance at uh rob ford's um inauguration as uh mayor and uh while he was there he uh made a speech that denounced all the pinkos out there who ride bicycles (laughs) and declared that uh rob ford would be the greatest mayor the city has ever seen this is the crack. This is John, yeah, Rob Ford. Yeah. The Rob Ford. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, a little bit off on that. Uh, certainly, certainly one of the largest mayors, biggest mayors yeah. the city has ever seen. I will, the, the one clip, if there's one clip you want to see of Don Cherry, um, in the 1987 World Junior Championships, which is like for players 20 in, in the early 20s, there was a huge brawl between uh, Canada and the Soviet Union. And when I say huge, I mean both benches cleared it went about on for about 10 minutes. They actually turned the lights off in the stadium to try to get them to stop fighting, and they wouldn't stop fighting. And then they cut to Don Cherry, and Don Cherry just goes on this rant about you know, standing up to the Soviets, and he basically <laughs> makes it like, 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 like a Rocky scene or something like that. Uh, we'll link to it in the show notes. It's fantastic. Wow. Hey, we're halfway through, and before we beg you to rate and review our podcasts, we want to suggest using Audible. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you, yes you, the opportunity to check out their service. Want more dirt on Lorne Michaels, stuff that even he doesn't know about? Check out Live from New York, the complete uncensored history of Saturday Night Live. 
With 180,000 other titles, Audible has it all. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash Rushmore. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash Rushmore for your free audiobook. Okay, uh, Casey Corbin is our guest judge, and he's really lending a lot of gravitas and accuracy <laughs> to much of our discussion about uh, famous Canadians and the Mount Rushmore of Canadians. And so we're very appreciative. You can follow him at, at Casey Corbin on Twitter and at TNWPod to uh, follow his Talk in Wrestling podcast. And it sounds very entertaining from what he's described, where he actually sits down with comics, with wrestling aficionados, and discusses the great, great uh, sport of grappling. So we are at our halftime, and we're going to ask you whether you uh, live in the United States or whether you live in Canada or even Quebec to join us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on wherever you get podcasts and download, rate, review uh, the Mount Rushmore podcast. We'd like to know who also your uh, favorite Canadians are. You can do that on the Mount Rushmore presence, which exists on Facebook and Twitter. So we'd love for you to get in the dialogue and join us and let us know what you're all about. I have some breaking news, guys. What's that? Don Cherry once appeared in a music video with the Trailer Park Boys for a tragically hip song. Oh, wow. That's the most Canadian thing ever. I think we've reached peak <laughs> Canada right there. Continue. And that, and that I, I believe the video is Music at Work. Uh, darkest, darkest one. Oh, it's on the same album, though. I and Don, Don Cherry's delivering fried chicken in the music video. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we're back from our halftime, and we are going into round three, and Michael is up. Uh, my next is under the category of sports, and it's Brett the Hitman Hart. Uh, right. Famous right. wrestler and greased up, uh, <laughs> like the wettest hair in all of wrestling, right? It's right up there with Triple H. Yeah. Um, the mid-90s were a real low point for America to have enemies. We kind of had vanquished the Russians with the Cold War. Cold War's done. Uh, Desert Storm came and passed, and we kind of won that one. We mostly won, but kind of Saddam Hussein was still back in power. And there was a little bit of like anti- Middle Eastern kind of rhetoric that came in and around wrestling then. But we really didn't have any like major enemies. Like China was still on the come up. Like North Korea was still just weird and out there. Yeah, there was there were never any trouble. But when you gotta turn to someone to be an enemy in wrestling, of course the next natural step is go up north yeah. and make the Canadians the evil bad guys. And it's not like uh Canada has always like they've had there's been a few like, you know, villainous Canadians in the past, you know, the Mountie. The Rougeaus. Yeah, think we're yeah the Quebecers. Yeah. Um, but around 96, 97, Bret Hart, who was like, he, was always, he has always been a hero. He's always been like a face within... For a long time. When he first started out with the Hart Foundation, That's true. they were heels. But That's then true. Him, been... him and Jim Neidhart were kind of... The Hart Foundation was a little bit bad. Yeah, and the, but then he was like the classic face when he was... A face like he was he was yeah yeah he always made good with the kids there he are no gave, shades of gray yeah shades he of li- pink. literally gave them shades of pink and shades of gray <laughs> as he would give his his kind of faux foam sunglasses to like some smiling boy or girl in the audience and around 96 and 97 they kind of you know wrestling started to get what's the word more attitude and like stone cold was this stone cold steve austin kind of was a villain 
and they did like and but he was on the, like he was becoming very popular. He was kind of like this. He wasn't quite a hero yet, but he was like the anti anti hero. Yeah. And uh, they and they had a match where they did like a double turn where Bret Hart uh, became a heel and uh, Steve Austin became the good guy, turned face. And it all kind of led up to uh, a year later, Bret Hart leaving the WWF to join WCW and uh, the Montreal Screwjob. Which, oh, wait, what? <laughs> Is uh, that when the girl lifts her leg? <laughs> That's the Quebec City. Oh, search off that. Basically, basically, Bret Hart, who That's was the Saskatoon Slammer, who was either he was probably the most popular wrestler. We are we're, we're up there. Close. Up oh, there. in Canada, yeah. Oh, in Canada, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, he was uh, on his way out. Like contract negotiations with Vince McMahon didn't quite go so well, and I'm sure there are a bunch of other factors. And he was supposed to. He was still champion, and he was supposed to kind of drop the belt. And before he left the company, but there's a lot of negotiations. He didn't want to do it in Montreal. He didn't want to do it in his home country's turf. And they kind of rigged it so that uh, it was supposed to be like a double count out and they're supposed to do another match afterwards. But Vince and Shawn Michaels and I can't remember who Earl, else. Earl Hebner. Earl Hebner. Uh, they kind of got together and. The uh, referee. Yeah. And kind of rigged the match. You know, they rigged a rigged match. Oh. Which, is, which is hard oh. to do. So they basically made it so Shawn Michaels put uh, Bret Hart into Bret Hart's own submission move. And Bret Hart thought it was just part of the match and then they'd continue on. But as soon as he got him in the uh, submission move, the referee rang the bell, said that Bret Hart had, had tapped, given, out. tapped out, given up, rang the yeah. bell, gave, him the, gave Shawn Michaels the belt and everyone got the hell out of Dodge. Wow. Yeah. So this was somebody rigged the rigged match yeah okay against the most popular wrestler in canada in well, can- and in did canada. it in canada okay. does he still have a loyal following yes he is still huge in canada um he also is very high on the list i believe of or i believe he's in the top 50 of the top 50 greatest canadians <laughs> um he is uh i cannot argue with bret hart he is my favorite wrestler and i think he is the best canadian wrestler of all time and I think 1997, it's just so great. Like, while he was a bad guy to you, he was never a bad guy to me. That's right. I, everything that he said, I agreed with. He, I was like... He was this un, he was this unabashed, like... Pro-Canadian, pro-Canadian anti-American, he, almost anti-American. Yeah, he, you know, yeah. he, he it was, spat yeah, it was upon like, kind you know, of the righteousness of Americans and, like, how sloppy and lazy they'd become. And, oh. Yeah, and he made a lot of points, like, you know, our health care... You know, is great. We you, know, you 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 live people. You leave people dying in the street. While in Canada, everybody gets to go to the hospital for free. You know, and and, of course, and the American fans would boo, boo, go to the hospital yeah, for boo, free. We don't want that. <laughs> yeah, so it's amazing. So, like, yeah, if they had, a, if when they were in Canada, Bret Hart was still a face, but wow. if they were in yes. the U.S., Bret Hart was been, been playing the actually, same role. Wow, it was actually like when, even when they went to Europe. Bret Hart was still a face when they went to India. He was still a face. That's incredible. <laughs> only, only in America was he the bad guy. Yeah, that's incredible. That's a very compelling choice. We had another. We had another few years before, like, we had a true, like, you know, superpower for Americans to be generally angry at. Mm-hmm. And of course, it was Iraq again. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say it was uh, Bulgaria with, with Rusev. But yeah, it was ten years after that.
I was at the show the next. I was supposed to go to the screw job. I didn't go because I went to a Buffalo Bills game instead. <laughs> Poor choice. Well, I didn't think that anything was going to happen because everybody knew that Bret Hart was going to be everything. The the everything like the whole idea was Bret Hart was going to give up the title in Ottawa the next night, and that's all I needed to see. I didn't need to see him wow. beat Shawn Michaels in Montreal, but I I had tickets to the next two Raws Monday Tuesday. And I actually knew a guy that was being trained by Brett, so I was going to meet Brett. And then I get home after the Bills game, and it's late at night, and there's all these messages on my phone, and it's like, you haven't seen the pay-per-view? And then all this <laughs> and all that, and I had to watch it later on the replay, and it was just like, I biggest regret of my life, not going to that Montreal card. And then the next night on Raw was just terrible. Not uh, Like, everybody boycotted the show. Yeah, but how'd the Bills do? <laughs> Oh, we lost thirty-three to three to the Patriots. So <laughs> oh. it was the beginning of, of the next ten years to come, fifteen maybe. Uh, okay, uh, we're going like a bat out of hell. That's the bottom of the third. Richard, what do you got? Okay, my next one. I am going comedy, and I'm going John Candy. Ah, from SCTV, which I think to to your point, Jeff, about being influenced. For me, SCTV was a huge influence. Yeah, and uh, I think John Candy. I don't know that you could say there was a star of SCTV, mm-hmm. but just me personally, anytime John Candy was on yeah. a, scat, a, a skit or something, doing something on the show, there was just, you could tell something special could happen. Yeah, he was the first breakout, I think, performer. I think he might have been the first person to leave the show, too. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I think you're right. they brought Martin Short in to kind of replace Replace John yeah. Candy, yeah. yeah. And you just watch those episodes when, when he's in it. And even the characters that are supposed to be probably unlikable, mm-hmm. like Johnny LaRue, yeah. the man on the town, uh, megalomaniacal uh, wannabe film director, yeah. there's still something about John Candy that is able to make him likable, even though probably you're not supposed to like yeah. what the character's doing. Yeah. I remember he was the guy with the snake on his face who sold uh, um, <laughs> yeah. satellite dishes. <laughs> and you liked him if he was... Um, William B. Williams. Yeah, the, William uh, B. Williams or uh, Dr. Tongue. <laughs> or uh, I loved uh, his um, uh, 3D House of Pancakes right. <laughs> character. And Gil Shepard, the fish and musician, uh, when he would take the musical guests. I believe he took the tubes out one time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love uh, him and the the farm film report and uh, blowing things up. Yeah, talking about things that blow up. So yeah, what what was it about John Candy? Do you think that also continued when he got into American films? It's almost like he filled the void that was uh, uh, once occupied by John Belushi or these larger than life physically I, and comedically actors. I certainly. I mean, there's an element of that. I mean, his first kind of breakout roles were Stripes, and then I guess Splash. Yeah. And again, those are roles where. I think a lesser comedian could have like taken it a different direction. Even with Splash, where his character is kind of a pervy ass, yeah, it, it, he's still likable. Yeah, um, and so, I'm, I'm amazed that you found the one comedian that somehow Lorne Michaels didn't get his meet, his mitts on. Oh yeah. Well, fun fun story <laughs> about this. It's, it's it's not that they didn't know him and they weren't friends. They, oh, he did right? know who John Candy was. Oh so. sure. So fun story yeah. about this. Apparently, John Candy hosted once. It was like '83. I don't even know if Lorne if that might have been like non Lorne Michaels years. But apparently, those were the, those were the um, yeah, Ebersol were the years. Apparently, John Candy was the most burned host on Saturday Night Live. It, like more, like so many times, they would tell him, "Okay, well, we're probably going to need you to come in this week because we don't know if we're if we're trying to line somebody up or something would happen." 
But we, yeah, so we'll probably be on standby. We need you. We're probably going to need you this week. And then they'd get someone else with a movie coming out that week or someone that they needed to get that week. And then they'd bump John Candy like, oh, midweek. Right? Apparently, this happened like a dozen times. Wow. Do, is John Candy revered in the Canadian pantheon of comics or in, and performers uh, in general? He's at the top. He's at the very top. He's on stamps in Canada. Wow. Um, he's that. He, he put a lot of money into the Canadian Football League. Um, yeah, did you know they he, have their own football league, guys? <laughs> he, bought, he, him, he bought the Toronto Argonauts with Wayne Gretzky and Bruce McNall, the owner of the LA Kings at the time, and they, uh, and they helped finance the league. Yeah, I mean, uh, they, they won a Grey Cup with him. And they won a great cup. But yeah, John Candy won a great cup in his hometown. Yeah. You know, with the team. So, and he's just, he was so beloved and so liked and just such a, a great man. Like, uh, you know, not a blemish on his uh, career. Um, you never heard of any controversy that he caused. He just spent his life making people happy. And uh, he was very good at it. Two things about John Candy. One is, I think... His success kind of opened the doors for a lot of comedians who weren't necessarily, let's say, the Chevy Chase leading man type of comedian. Like you could be uh, Chris Farley or uh, maybe even someone like an Adam Sandler. I'm not comparing their comedy styles, but maybe somebody who whose comedic presence wasn't necessarily it has to be a comedy and there's a romantic love interest and there's all Hmm. this going on. Um. And the other thing about John Candy is, I, I recently found this out that after he'd done Splash and he had done Stripes and he would really started to get his uh, movie career going, he did a movie called Armed and Dangerous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think we yeah. might even reference this on the show at one point, this movie, uh, with Eugene Levy. And yeah. it's, I don't know, I haven't seen it in 30 years. I don't know if it's any good or not. I suspect it's kind of your typical mid-80s sort of buddy comedy thing. But... The reason he took the movie was because he knew Eugene Levy's career wasn't going great after SCTV uh, stopped. So he decided to take this movie knowing that it would get made and knowing that it would have some success because he was John Candy at the oh, time. What a pal. Yeah, he basically took it just to give Eugene Levy a, more of a, I guess, exposure in the United States to help his career. He is, like, when he uh, was involved in the CFL, uh, I actually i am friends with the old general manager of the Ottawa franchise. And they were going bankrupt at the time. And basically, she was trying to tell the coach to keep the players in practice so they wouldn't go cast their checks because their checks would bounce. <laughs> and they had to bring in John. And John was actually coming in to make sure that every player got paid. If the checks bounced, John was going to pay oh them God. out of his pocket. Wow. That's, and, a, that's uh, unbelievable. This is a story that nobody knows because I've heard it right from the general manager herself. But then when they found out that the checks it was okay, and everything, all the checks would clear. Uh, all the players were wondering what John Candy was doing there. And the GM, she was 29 years old and the first GM, female GM in professional sports history. Uh, John Candy grabbed her and he said, uh, Joanne and I are getting married. And he dipped her over and gave her a big kiss <laughs> and the team celebrated. No, no. Um, and he was just joking. But it was sure. just like, but he came in to save a football team that wasn't even his. Elite. Because he cared for the Canadian Football League. He cared for the league itself because Canadians love the Canadian Football League. That's incredible. So So we're going to the fourth round, and we're very privileged to have uh, Casey Corbin. He's at Casey Corbin on Twitter, uh, and he is a uh, dyed-in-the-wool 
real live Canadian, and he's giving a lot of uh, color and backstory to a lot of the things that we kind of know a little bit about, but he's letting us know the cultural point of view on some of these things, and he's he's giving us a lot of insight, so we're appreciative that he's here and is it, very knowledgeable about wrestling. It's and part sports. of NAFTA, actually. It's part of NAFTA. <laughs> this is part of a NAFTA? Yeah, it's part of a NAFTA exchange. We're going to send Michael over to Canada oh, in a couple of months then to he- talk about pizza. Then Case so. is going to come back down here and stay on your couch, Jeff. <laughs> we'll take him. I'll yeah. take him. I'll take him. <laughs> Happy to have him. Okay, so uh, this is the last, the final countdown, the fourth and final round. Michael, go for it. Uh, my final category is music, and my pick is Celine Dion. Oh, dear. And, oh, no. Um, when I was looking at different Canadian musicians... Yeah, my, my, my last pick is a musician, too. So. Okay. When I was looking at Canadian musicians, I was amazed to find how many are Canadian that I thought were American. Like Neil Young. Like Who, by Neil, the way, is my last pick. Is he? Yeah. Oh, well, oh, yeah. that's great. But it was one of those that like, I was like, I 100% thought he was American. Yeah. But Celine Dion is 100% Canadian. In my <laughs> mind, in well, everyone's mind. She's Quebec, as, Quebecois. She's as, Please. yes, yeah. Quebecois as humanly possible. She's as Quebecois as poutine. <laughs> um, yes. From like the pomp of her singing performance and the grandioseness, but also like that kind of schmear of just Frenchness that kind of just runs all over her. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, she's so popular for, you know, basically two huge songs in the late 90s with uh, My Heart Will Go On from Titanic and then, uh, what was the other one? Uh, it's All Coming Back to Me Now, where she just, you know, kind of became, and maybe she was always a huge star in Canada, mm-hmm. but maybe it just needed like these two huge songs to really push what you know how powerful a singer and how big a singer she is i don't have any sense of what she's like at, you know in canada's terms but in america i think she's the most famous canadian singer to me most famous for being canadian most yeah. like well really not not uh not getty lee <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, it's funny they're like people that like if you told me they're canadian i'd be like oh okay but it's, it doesn't like be like, oh. Like you remember Brian Adams as Canadian. Yes. Like there's some part of you that remembers that. Yeah. But it's not like, the, it's not like if I think about her bio, my bio is, you know, Celine Dion, Canadian singer who, she's not a singer first. She's a uh, Canadian singer first. Interesting. I would be curious as do people discuss uh, um, Celine Dion in Canada? Casey, is there a perception of who she is or what she's oh. like? Oh, of course. She, like When she got married, her marriage was on television. Like It was on Canadian television. Like It, it was broadcast, her wedding. Well, like, wow. like it was Princess Di or something? Yeah. Wayne Gretzky's wow. wedding was the same. Wayne Gretzky's <laughs> wedding was broadcast across Canada, and so was Celine Dion's. Wow. That's um, incredible. Yeah, is that, is that a respectable thing to do? Because I think here's uh, some celebrities, even though they pimp out every aspect of their marriage in tabloids and on social media, the wedding itself... They have uh, even banned the airspace above it for so f- f- uh, helicopters don't fly over oh, and try yeah. to tape their wedding. Yeah. But they well, sold the rights. A, yeah, she's enormously huge. Um, she, she's um, financed a lot. Of, like, she has a lot of money into rest, different restaurants in Quebec, um, including a place called Schwartz's in Montreal, which is a gold mine, uh, which I've eaten there every time I go to Montreal. Um, she, uh, here's something. She's Oprah Winfrey's number one guest of all time. Huh. Uh, number two is Chris Rock. But the most appearances on Oprah is Celine Dion. So if you wonder why she's so famous in America, uh, 
you that know, has something to do with it. You know, you mentioned at the very top of the show um, how like one of the most one of the integral things about making it in Canada is making it in America. And Celine yeah. Dion, certainly she, you know, she had a, uh, a show in Las Vegas that's made more mm. money than anything else in oh, Vegas, I know. It's $385 crazy. million dollars, according to like Wikipedia that she's made from that one show that she would, that she ran for oh, a few she years. Was, she was blue man group. <laughs> <laughs> is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, she 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 made it huge in Vegas. Yeah, yeah basically, uh-huh. she was she has been. I don't she know was like she, the first one to do like a big residency. That Coliseum there, residency. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. And you so know, she, they wouldn't. Yeah, you're totally true. So I'm I'm sure her I'm sure, you know, Titanic made her, you know, got her foot in the door in America, and then it, you know she definitely kicked it open and mm-hmm. has become something that is just, you know, mm-hmm. wor- worldwide you know. at this point. Casey, question is, uh, at one point we were discussing, um, at one, is there a sense of a, you, you, you just, so let me try to phrase this. I think at the beginning of the podcast, you made it sound like Canada is very happy to look towards your neighbors to the south for their celebrities. Is there any sense of a resentment towards those celebrities who go off and find success in Canada? Or is it kind of known that that's where an entertainer or an athlete or somebody might have to go ply their trade and that it's really a foregone conclusion that if they want to pursue fame, they're going to go to the U.S.? Um, I think it's a, a, a bit of both. Um, like, I, yeah, like I do think, you know, I don't think people get upset when people go to the States. I think they're excited for them to go to the States because, you know, the American dream is alive and well. And, you know, it's not just within America. The American dream is for everybody in the world that looks at America and wants to go there and wants to make it there. That's the land of opportunity. That's how you've marketed yourself around the world. And, uh, and you know, so if for us in Canada, like I want, like, you know, it's my goal to get to L.A. and move there eventually. Um, you know, once I get all my papers and everything in order and, you know, it's just a matter of paying a lot of money to get down there and do it right. Um, you know, so, so it's like, you know, because like you could want to be the person that wants to make it in Canada, but in Canada, there's like a, a glass ceiling or a glass where you can get so far and you can see the people that are in there, the other room, but nobody wants to let you through because yeah. they're insecure about their spot in show business. Mm-hmm. Are there That's any, what, are there any Americans that have come up to Canada to make it during the draft? When the, when there was a draft in oh, the yeah. States, the band Heart was originally a Canadian band because they were all draft dodgers and they were in Vancouver. Oh, and then wild. they became a Seattle band. I but think the first two albums of Heart are considered Canadian and uh, they play get more airplay on Canadian radio. As part of the Beaver Hour, I believe it's called. Okay, so we're in the bottom of the fourth. Uh, it's time for Richard to drive us home. Real listen. All right, so I mentioned that Neil Young was my last choice. Yeah. It's interesting you brought up the draft. Uh, evasion thing because one of his early bands in Toronto was called the Minor Birds um, and was actually fronted by Rick James. Oh, wow. Who's uh, from Buffalo. Right, who's from Buffalo and who had come up to Canada after he got drafted. And uh, he was in a band with uh, uh, Neil Young for about six weeks. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? You can pretty much imagine how that one went. <laughs> uh, Neil Young, a proud Canadian, still a Canadian citizen, even though he's been living in uh, California for a, you know, 20, 30 years now, probably. 
I think he still isn't even an American citizen yet. I think he's just a Canadian citizen. He doesn't need to be. Yeah, he, Neil Young can be. You get no benefits nowadays with pretty, him. Pretty much. I'm a resident of marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> Neil Young, who is on certainly on the Rushmore of musicians who look like scarecrows. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I look. It, he's Neil Young. I love Neil Young. One of the greatest songwriters of all time. Also a singer. <laughs> close to but certainly as a songwriter it, it, it's hard to think of an artist who has not just made an incredibly diverse catalog of music but has also done it so well for such a long period of time and I remember that Neil Young was Canadian while we we're going through this and I started to think about sort of him as a Canadian and then coming to the United States and how that probably influenced the type of music he made. Oh. I mean, I would have to imagine as he's writing Ohio, mm-hmm. you know, in 68, yeah. that he's looking at that from a different perspective as a Canadian who's coming down here and seeing these riots and mm-hmm. shootings and colleges and stuff like that. Even then, someone who is an American would, would see yeah. that. Yeah. You know what I think he also did very well, and probably uh, as somebody who... I think of somebody like Bruce Springsteen who became anti-corporate rock. Um, I don't feel like Neil Young ever stopped being anti-establishment, anti-government, uh, anti-big business and it's meddling in art and stuff like that. I, don't f- I feel like uh, Neil Young had a four-decade track record to doing that. And I feel like other artists really kind of spoke out once it became fashionable. That's You're true. right. And he, he spoke out about it in the mid eighties with this notes for you and uh, made fun of every artist that, that did a commercial for anything that sold out, you know, but on the, on the same token, when he wrote this song, he mentions every single brand that advertises <laughs> <Yeah>. this song, <laughs> you know, and the first lyrics like ain't doing it for Coke, ain't doing it, ain't doing it for mm-hmm. Pepsi, ain't doing it for Coke, you know, you know, so, I, um, I, I recall back in, it was probably like 94, 95 when, when Pearl Jam was really blowing up. Uh, they made like a huge abrupt about face in terms of music videos, in terms of promotion, in terms of, you know, anti-consumerism, like right when they hooked up with Neil Young. Right. Like they yeah. did, they put out Mirrorball together as like a, you know, a, a dual album as Pearl Jam and Neil Young. And then like right away it was like, oh, Pearl Jam's no longer selling concerts, doing concerts through Ticketmaster. And they're, they kind of adopted his you know, like you guys said, like this anti-establishment thing kind of took his kind of more personal path. Um, it's oh, interesting sure. to see just how, you know, how, how much he's affected things, you know, even that far into his career. Oh, sure. I mean, in, in the, I think it was like 80 or 81, he directed a movie that was basically about this anti-nuclear movie and featured Devo. And, you know, for someone who had been, you know, a musician in the 60s to now in the 80s be, you know, doing stuff with Devo, or like you said, then you go to the '90s and he's doing stuff with, with Pearl Jam. I mean, just his ability to remain relevant, yeah. for going on four decades now, is something that's you know, really just re- remarkable. Yeah, like we have a lot of bands up here in Canada that don't make it in the states because there's somebody else already filling that void. Like uh, your Melissa Etheridge is our Sass Jordan, who uh, was a, ho- a judge on Canadian Idol, and she had this long career of sounding like a female Rod Stewart, but she never made it in the States because most Etheridge came out around the same time. So, you know, we have things like that where we have Canadian versions. Like, the Tragically Hip never really made it in the States because, you know, the States already had R.E.M. 
which is a very similar band. Right. Unfortunately, and, uh, unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately, Casey, uh, your Nickelback is also our Nickelback. <laughs> oh, that's, a we, that's a problem. Well, that's the thing is we keep on giving Nickelback, you know, <laughs> and it just goes back and forth, back and forth, and neither of us want it. God, but. Can't, can't the exchange rate just take care of this and reduce it to zero at some <laughs> this point? This is what happened with NAFTA. Yeah. Again, guys. I feel like Neil Young was the dark to the light of Joni Mitchell. Canadians who came right. to the U.S. and then had songs that were kind of analytical of U.S. culture, U.S. entertainment industry, and and even uh, if if we had Four Dead in Ohio, she had um, uh, the the Back to the Garden or the the, the Woodstock song. I forget right. what. Yeah. Um, these gentlemen have debated the top four Canadians, yeah. and uh, you've been uh, tremendously helpful at giving us actual insight as uh, based on the. The, the uh, rough Wikipedia that they have done really no good mm-hmm. research. Um, so we're going to do two things. Uh, we're, first, we're going to listen okay. to who you might choose as amongst your top four, one or two or four, if you choose. And then you and I are going to evaluate together to whom of these morons uh, should be given points. So, okay. so um, I'd love to hear you chime in on uh, what comes to your mind when you think of top ca- Canadians. Okay, so my list, uh, like, like uh, I broke it down into four different categories. Uh, entertainment, uh, sports and athletics, uh, politicians, and then um, just overall effect in society, in the world. Like overall worldwide effect it was, was the other criteria for the other uh, spot. So uh, the first person I agree with in the entertainment, um, I just, you know, I, I love this guy's music. Uh, we've just spent the last three, four, five minutes talking about him. I love, like, in order to be a great artist and a great musician, and I, I think there's a sense of if you're a celebrity and, you're, and you make it and, you're, and you have longevity, you have to give back. And Neil Young has always been anti-establishment. He's always been against the man. He's always been for the environment, uh, for, uh, you know, he's, he's a ve- been very charitable throughout his career. He's always given back. He even went back to Crosby, Stills, and Nash a couple times. Um, you know, Neil Young, I believe, is one of the greatest Canadians, and he's on my list. So I have him. Unfortunately, um, by the way, a Southern man don't want Neil Young around anyhow, <laughs> so we might have to disqualify him. <laughs> Who else do I you know. Um, okay, so I have Neil Young. Um, next, I have um, a worldwide effect, Alexander Graham Bell, the inventor of the telephone. I think that is... Fairly self-explanatory. We, uh, you know, the whole world used telephones for so long, still do to this day, and I can't imagine the world without a telephone. So Alexander Graham Bell, the inventor of the telephone, also, and he's not even the most famous person from Brantford, Ontario, because, <laughs> you know, because Wayne Gretzky bumps him in popularity. Oh, wow. Most people will phone each other to talk about how great Wayne Gretzky is. <laughs> And not realize that Alexander Graham Bell is from down the goddamn street. Brantford, <laughs> um, Ontario, this small town has put out Wayne Gretzky, Alexander Graham Bell, and Phil Hartman. That's a oh, good goal well, for a town. That's pretty good. Um, so anyways, Alexander Graham Bell is on my list. Uh, the other two, uh, neither of you, uh, nobody's mentioned. Um, uh, so uh, the number of Terry Fox is the greatest right. athlete Canada has ever produced. A lot of people don't know him. There's an ESPN 30 for 30 on him done by Steve Nash, one of our greatest basketball players, our greatest basketball player ever, actually. <laughs> um, you know, I could have went with James Naismith, who invented basketball, but I didn't. I went with Terry Fox, a marathon runner. You got cancer. 
at a young age, uh, I believe was 18, 19 years old. He lost his leg to cancer, and at 20, 21 years old, he decided he was going to start the marathon of hope and run across cancer with one leg and a, and a broomstick on the other and, and hey, try hey, to make it across Canada Casey, to just, raise money for cancer. Sorry, just because uh, cancer is such a hot topic, you, I think you had a little bit of a hiccup in what you just said. You said he was going to run across cancer. Uh, oh, no, no. He's okay. gonna, well, he's, he, well, he is going to run across cancer. <laughs> That's true. But he's going to run across Canada, and, and, and he's doing it to fight cancer. So... He took uh, cancer to a national awareness, awareness in the 80s, 81, and, uh, and he's a national hero to this day. Um, you know, I, I, and, was, uh, I was seriously put, thinking about putting Terry Fox on there, and Terry Fox... This is called uh, pandering. Yeah, yes. You don't, what, yeah, what, ignore this. Yeah. No, 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 because... We know your game. Yeah, you know my game. <laughs> There's, there, was a guy, there was a guy that actually, after Terry Fox passed away, he didn't actually make it. He only made it halfway across Canada. He stopped in Thunder Bay and realized, fuck, if the rest of the country's like this, I'm not going anywhere. And <laughs> he passed away. But, um, but there was another guy with one leg, and there was also a marathon runner that had cancer, and he was like, oh, well, I'll just go finish the race. And he did, but the country doesn't really respect this guy. Oh, boy. Uh, the last person on the list is Tommy Douglas. Uh, Tommy Douglas, it, overall in Canada, was great, voted uh, as Canada as the number one greatest Canadian of all time. Uh, there are three things that he's notable for that, we'll, that I'll mention off the top. Uh, he discovered the new Democratic Party. So he created the third party, major party in Canada, uh, and was the leader of that party for many years. Um, he also is the man that's responsible for creating our health care. And uh, I know what a lot of people are thinking, like, why would he be number one and Terry Fox number two? Like, why is it seems to me that somebody that runs across Canada with one leg is better than a guy that invented a political party. But, you know, let's be honest, uh, you know, Terry Fox wouldn't have that other artificial leg to run on <laughs> if it wasn't for the free hospital it was created. <laughs> so there'd be no marathon of hope. It'd just be a marathon of hop. And the first hop out of Newfoundland is really far because it's an island. So, <laughs> so that's what you need to know. That's why Tommy Douglas is better. And then just a side fact, the fact that he created our healthcare system, free hospital, the fact that he created this new Democratic Party, which is uh, very important in Canada. The third thing he did was uh, his daughter married Donald Sutherland, and he's Kiefer Sutherland's grandfather. Oh, mic drop. Oh, my God. That's you, enough. You know, this is why we only have a guest on here every once in a while is because they just school us so badly that our fragile egos just can't, can't take, <laughs> can't our, I, can't, I can't take someone that's, a, that's an expert in some, some yeah. other garbage topic that we thought of drunkenly. A snowflake, a yeah. snowflakey American. Yeah. It's just a, well, we can, I think we can all agree. And I'm sure your listeners will agree that you bitches just got owned so hard by a guest, Casey Corbin. Yeah. Not <laughs> oh. good. Not good. Uh, Casey, thank you again for listing your picks because, uh, you, Another reason you're owning today's discussion is because you listed something that's kind of outside of the categories, and that was an inventor and a politician, um, social welfare pioneer. So you've expanded our views even into new categories. Um, so now it gets down to the judging uh, portion. And although listeners and we would probably agree that you won, I would like to see which of these schmucks lost. And um, one thing that I observed while I was taking uh, kind of a, a with a little bit that I was paying attention, I was keeping track. Each of these guys chose a hockey figure in Don Cherry and Gordie Howe. Each of these guys chose a musician in the form of Neil Young. 
and uh, Celine Dion, each of these guys chose a comedy figure in the form of John Candy and Lorne Michaels. So if I were to judge, I would say it comes down to who would win in a fight, John McDonald or <laughs> Brett the Hitman Hart? That's a tough one. That's a tough one. How much, how much alcohol has yeah. Johnny McDonald yeah. had? But, you know, I'm interested in knowing your calls on even these, uh, these couplets here. If you had to make a call, or, or, or how you would like to judge it, Casey, because, honestly, that's well, my first way of looking at it. But. I'm going to say, in the first, uh, the first round, if we went by rounds, I, uh, although Sir A. McDonald uh, is great, um, you know, John A. McDonald is great, uh, as far as I go, I'm a stand-up comedian, Lauren Michaels, uh, far more effect on my life, and I was considering him, but I went with the inventor of the telephone. Uh, but Lauren Michaels is, like Chris Rock once said, Saturday Night Live is the X-Men of comedy, like the X-Men school of comedy. That makes Lauren Michaels uh, Xavier. So, you know, like, you know, Lauren Michaels, I think, is better a uh, better choice than, Sir, uh, than uh, John A. McDonald. All right. Uh, I think uh, Gordy Howe or Don Cherry, although most of Canada might disagree. I just think, you know, Don Cherry is a coach. Gordy Howe is one of the greatest hockey players ever. And I think Gordy Howe is, is a great choice there. So I went with Gordy Howe on that one. Um, obviously, I picked Neil Young, so we know that. Uh, so I went with Neil Young in that one. And then, oh, my God, like, Bret Hart versus John Candy. I don't – it's like you guys <laughs> set me up to rip my heart out because <laughs> these are two of my heroes. Like, if you went to my heroes, Mount Rushmore, Bret Hart and John Candy would both be on. But uh, I have both autographs up in my wall in my room. Um, I yeah, I met. I've been lucky enough to meet both uh, John Candy in '91 at a football game uh, in Ottawa, and uh, Bret Hart. I, I I've met a couple times. But um, you know, uh, out of the two of those, you know, Bret Hart had a longer impact, and wrestling was far more international the way than John Candy is. But John Candy, there wasn't a there wasn't a popular fat comic as a leading male since Jackie Gleason on television. Um, you know, and I'm a fat comic, so <laughs> I really I really have trouble debating who's better between John Candy and Bret Hart. But I think in the end, uh, your heart is more important than candy. And uh, that's a terrible joke. But um, I don't know. That one I, I can't even decide. I guess I'm in Calgary so right now, so I'm, and it's Bret Hart's home, so I'm going to say Bret Hart. All right. I have a podcast. I have a westling podcast. There That's you go. true. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. If anything, this should just be like a springboard for, he does for not, your own yeah. stuff. So he does not have an SCTV podcast. <laughs> so, well, th- those no, 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 I don't. You no. heard it from the, an actual Canadian. Uh, it's Casey Corbin at Casey Corbin on Twitter and at TNW Pod for his talking wrestling podcast. Uh, it looks like Michael Winfield got three points to Richard Manfredi's one point for Neil Young. Much like much like Canadian football, I was able to get one point. <laughs> so. That's that is great. Yes, scored a rug. Yeah. So uh, you know, Casey, you've been kind enough to spend about an hour with us chatting. We really appreciate it. We, we invite all listeners to check out uh, Casey's work. You can Google Casey Corbin, C O R B I N, and find him all over the internet. He's got a YouTube channel. He's got uh, a comedy album on Spotify, 
And you can also follow at Casey Corbin on Twitter to to find updates and find out where he is currently touring because he's uh, all over the map as a touring comic as well. So uh, just uh, want to say thank you so much for repping your country so well and uh, schooling us so hard. And um, thanks so much for being on the show. So uh, this has been the Mount Rushmore uh, podcast. I, as always, am Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. And see you later, Casey. Thank you, buddy. Hey, thanks a lot, guys.